show generally is taboo to liberation. I do come back a lot to sexual, sensual, and reproductive health, and today is no exception. I hope you like that little ditty from Josh. Well, you know, I'm a no to that is not necessarily sexual or sensual. It's really something about our whole lives. It's really charming. You know, how can you be a no, understand that somebody wants something for you, but say yes to yourself? In This particular Sexual Health Awareness Month, and by the way, I don't know how things become a month. This is endorsed worldwide. It started with a day, and now it's expanded to a month because there's so much to unearth and share. Uh, During Sexual Health Awareness Month, they usually talk about things like STDs and uh, reproductive health, family planning, identity, civil rights uh, regarding sexuality, medical rights, communication with your doctors. Sometimes it goes into sexual techniques and sexual satisfaction, and I think all of that is important. I generally like to focus on what we can control in our internal lives and then how that might ripple out into how we change culture. So this episode is on sexual self-care. I've been doing a lot of stuff with Rosebud Woman over the last four or five years, and before that with Tantra. You know I've studied a lot of trauma. Um, Even now, I'm taking more advanced courses in human sexualities, global sexualities. And uh, I really love knowing and caring for this body that I've been given, whether it's athletics or play or experiences. And I like diving into the intricacies of its construction, sort of monitoring its cycles, experiencing pleasure through it. And this didn't come really naturally to me. I had to really go back and learn anatomy and physiology. And with a lot of experimentation and encouragement, you know, I really learned, as did many of the women in the community, that what I would call sexual self-care starts in our own minds and hearts. So I'm going to talk about seven things today, and a lot of them have further information and further links available. It's just to kind of give you a framework for the work we're doing inside of ourselves before we reach out and touch another. So taking care of yourself sexually before entering into a physical connection with others might involve these things. Number one, hey, I want to know if you know where your Bartolin's gland is and what it does. And I want to know if you have seen a real diagram of the clitoral structure, this complex organ called the clitoris. 
It's got a little head at the top, and then it's got these long legs that go on either side of the vaginal opening behind the labia. And then it's got a little root that goes out the back and curves around and ends up back in the vaginal canal to create the G-spot. It's this incredible dense bundle of nerves. And you have all kinds of sensation and play that are possible if you know where those structures are. Squeezing and, and manipulating the labia, for example, has a lot more opportunity for play and pleasure. But how would you know that if you weren't experimenting? And so the first thing that I want people to do is to really go back and fill in the gaps about the anatomy, the physical structure of your intimate and reproductive anatomy. There are hundreds of little components in here that interact with one another that we can benefit from learning about from the structures of the pelvic basin, like how the muscles of the pelvic floor work and support the internal organs, the external and internal genitalia, as well as all the organs and neuropathways of arousal. We just talked about the nipple areola complex, which is a recent study that shows how the stimulation of the nipple lights up the same pathways as the clitoral structure and the other arousal centers that are activated by the uterus. And so you really want to start thinking more about the arousal pathways, not just as physical structures in the vaginal canal that's like one little thing that you're doing or just the clitoris or something like that, but that it's a whole body-wide system. So the amazing structure of our bearing, like how we carry children, how we release children, all of that stuff has its own anatomy. So I really would love to see us as number one, just to go back and know and then celebrate the miracle of your body's anatomy. I have a lovely little book, 80 pages, illustrated by the artist Uvra, completely labeled with the names, the proper names of these parts of the body that I would love to gift you. It's a free PDF download um, just so that you can see it yourself if you haven't had a chance to do that and then not only see it in a diagram, but then try to find it in your own body and in your own anatomy. That's number one. Okay. Similarly, when I was growing up, there was just you're on your period or you're off your period. And then eventually there was like PMS, the days before your period. But I didn't learn until much later in life about the four parts of the moon cycle. And the phases of the moon cycle, like the luteal phase, the follicular, all that stuff, the follicular phase, hey, babe, I'm follicular is not something that you hear women saying to their lovers. But in truth, our desire and arousal, our availability for sexual turn on, the warm up time that's required, and even what turns us on varies by the phases of the moon cycle. So yes, increased arousal is in general coincident with a heightened probability of conception, which means, you know, you get hot easier when you can have a baby. Um, But it even means like you're attracted to different kinds of people at different times of the month. So I think if we make a self-care practice of tuning into our cycles, uh, we're onto something really big in, in terms of designing our sexual life to fit our own hormonal rhythm. So I like the apps, like our our team swears by Flow Living. 
I also like natural cycles, which was actually approved by the FDA for contraception. That's how sensitive it is. So you can uh, try some of those if you haven't already. And even if you're not menstruating or intending to get pregnant, the apps work really well way into perimenopause. And then you've got some more sensitive things that can get biochemistry tuned in over time. So number one, know your body's intimate reproductive anatomy as a self-care practice. And number two, learn how to ride your own cycles as a self-care practice. Now three, sexual self-care includes learning to say and mean all of me is perfect. Body shame is one of the biggest challenges to a positive sex life. It comes in second only to ongoing stress, accepting yourself, your sex, and all of your bodily functions as completely natural and beautiful, especially, especially, especially if you've been subject to religious trauma or Christofascism or orthodoxy or fundamentalism in any form. Anything that says your body is wrong or bad is, in my humble opinion, a denial of the divine wonder of how you are made and the perfect and completely outrageous system of how new life is brought forth in a female body. So unwinding cultural or religious shame around sexuality is a very important part of intimate wellness. And the other part of body shame that matters is if you've been taught that you're an object and that if you're not a certain shape or size, you don't really deserve love, then let's uh, get to the root of that right away too. In episode 42, Emmy came on the pod to talk about body issues, and I think you would really like to hear her uh, talk about the objectification of ourselves by ourselves, how that sort of got into our systems and then her never, never let go. Uh, so number three, self-care is letting go of body shame and dancing in your beautiful form. Let's move on now to number four, which I alluded to in the beginning, which is know your desires. So your yes and no, my yes and no, are vital to self-care in all parts of your life. Can I take that flight? No, I need to rest. Uh, Can I help you out with money? No, it put me in a bad situation. Yes, be generous, but don't do it in a way that cannibalizes your own being. So yes and no are important and especially important in sexuality. And in sexuality, your yes is our goal. Like if you're a maybe, maybe in sexuality is a no. If you're a maybe and you think you might be a yes at some point, then just don't do anything. Just wait until you're a full yes. Practice tuning in with yourself. If you don't want to start with tuning in sexually and asking for what you need there, practice doing it in simple ways like Go into a restaurant and instead of opening the menu, just tune into your body and say, what would I like to eat? And then ask for that. They may not have it, but you're practicing not being reactive to your environment, but responsive to your inner state. And then you can try it in other ways too. Like what would pleasure do is one of my favorite questions. Like I I get up in the morning and I know that I've got some habitual things that I do. I'm going to make the coffee. I'm going to light the candles. I'm going to say my morning mantra. But sometimes it starts to feel flat. Like I'm just going through the motions. And when the flat feeling arises, I say, 
ah, what would pleasure do? And like, oh, pleasure would stretch this way and twist this way and bow forward and wiggle and text a friend that I love them and pleasure would go for a walk right now or pleasure would, you know, capture a dream that I had. It doesn't always have to be the same, but when I start to tune into my pleasure and my yes, it makes it easy uh, to, to know when I'm in the flow. I know I'm supposed to be talking about sexual self-care, but as an aside, uh, someone has been being super kind about an upcoming book that I'm releasing called Reverence, A Guide to Ritual in Modern Life. And she was she was saying that she really likes how I'm flowing in the world. And my feeling tone is that I flow when I follow what I love. And that for a long time, I was doing things that I thought I should do. And I, I felt stuck and it was hard and it was effortful. And the minute that I started following my pleasure and what I loved, my work started to really, really move. And I just would encourage you to notice the connection between your energy and the output and the response of others when you're following your pleasure. So uh, your yes, your no, that's an important part of sexual self-care. When you want to move this into asking for what you want sexually, practice saying to a lover, can you touch me this way? I'm noticing that I would really like it, or I'm thinking that I might really enjoy it if you, or would you, and ask them for the thing that you're interested in. And do it in this, do it back also, like request, how does this feel to you? Would you like this harder or faster or slower or more gentle? Or what might be an interesting move for you? It's actually not a mystery killer to have conversation around what your preferences are. We don't have to do it by intuition. We're not mind readers. And then your experiences with a partner who really listens to you and listens to your body and whom you listen to, it just amps it up. And there are infinite ways to be in deep connection and intimacy and listen to each other. But it does take an active participation of stating your yes and no and and, and asking for what you want. So start small if it sounds scary. All right. Uh, that was number four. Can you believe it already? So sexual self-care thus far. Know and celebrate your body's intimate and reproductive anatomy. Ride your cycles. All of me is perfect. Or eliminating body shame. Know your own desires. And then the next one, and as you've probably guessed, this one matters to me. It is no poisons in the pussy. Number five, no toxic products in your vagina or on your vulva, only clean period care, organic topicals, whatever it is that you put in this area, skincare or lubrication, make them naturally supportive. Please don't put silicone in there. Please don't put silicone in there, please. And it, it blocks off your own natural emissions. It's not helpful and does nothing for you except create some glide for your partner. You know, you can get that in a natural way. We do like a water-based lubricant from Go Love CBD, which also has a muscle relaxant in there. They're just a really nice company and have been a good partner for us. And of course, you know, my company, Rosebud Woman, which I've been working on for years, and I take exquisite care in formulating all of our products for intimate moisture and arousal and all of that. So that's rosewoman.com. But no matter what you choose, period, 
stuff like cups or tampons or pads or whatever it is. If you use wipes down there, you know, don't use anything that's got chemical runoff, no poisons down there. The skin is 10 times more absorbent than any other skin in the body. It's the same kind of skin as the inner lining of the mouth. Okay, number six on sexual self-care, mindful birth control. So listen, the pill was an amazing thing. It gave women reproductive choice in a predictable way for the first time. It was coincident with the sexual revolution of the 70s. But the pill is not for everyone. Hormonal birth control is not for everyone. And it can do a lot of damage to our bodies over time. It's highly correlated to vulvodynia. It's correlated to dryness. So I want everyone to do a refresher on birth control decisions and make them with your lifelong health in mind. A long arc use of the pill or other hormonal methods have a lot of serious potential side effects and a lot that are a systemic in the body, you know, gut health, all kinds of other things are tied to it. Please um, go find an integrative OBGYN or health provider like Jessica Drummond, Dr. Jessica Drummond, and, you know, look this up. There are more family planning options now than there have been, and maybe hormonal contraception isn't right for you. She points to a syndrome called post-birth control syndrome, which you know, if you try to come off the pill, the months after the pill, four to six months after, can include things like hair loss, weight gains, mood swings, all kinds of things, libido loss, acne, digestive disorders. So I really think that you uh, and I should take another look at our birth control. And, and I say this is a self-care practice, although I would love to see a world where for everyone, the decision on how to plan a family and prevent pregnancy was held jointly by a man and a woman. It is just not that way. In this nation, in America, no one is protecting you if you get pregnant. Whether you are, uh, you know, get a plan B pill and you've got plan B pills on hand in case something happens and you have unprotected sex or something goes wrong, you should have those on hand. You can, you can get Ella, have those on hand so that you can take them within the three days or the five days after this unprotected sex and you don't get pregnant. Because if you do get pregnant, if you live in the Southeast or in Texas, if you live in a Christo-fascist state, you are hard-pressed to get the kind of care that you need. And we don't know what's going to happen with that. That is, of course, if you don't want to have a child, if you want to have a child, oh my God, welcome them lovingly, care for them, raise them, you know, go at it. I mean, I'm a mom, I love them. But if you are not ready to bear and raise a child, it's up to us to take the responsibility at this time until the laws change and men are held equally responsible for the children that they are party to creating. Um, Yeah, getting pregnant in this nation is a woman's responsibility from the time the egg is implanted until the time that child is grown pretty much. You know, women in this country, if there is a marriage or and it ends in divorce, women are poorer, the children are poorer. I'm not even going to get into it. Now I'm getting like kind of upset. Protect yourself, take care of yourself, be mindful about your birth control choices, think ahead have condoms, have the morning after pill, have all that stuff with you. Um, 
but don't do it in a way that it's going to impact your long-term health. Take care of your own beautiful body and your system. All right. Um, I did want to mention here uh, this uh, birth control app again. There's a, a rhythm method. Ridiculous, I know that sounds. That's AI powered. It's an app that tracks your cycles. And according to the FDA, it's as effective as many other approved birth control methods in preventing pregnancy. So take a look at natural cycles. All right. And the seventh aspect of sexual self-care. This is assembling the right care team for you, which may change over time. Uh, I like to look for holistic or integrative OBGYNs who see me as a whole person and understand that vaginas live in bodies, that live in families, that live in cultures, that live in ecological environments, and that healthy, sexy women and healthy moms and babies are the result of many interlocking systems. So you might want to add a doula if you're in the process of giving birth or pelvic floor therapists who are able to help retrain and support the organs in the pelvic basin, uh, sexuality coaches, if that's something you're interested in. Uh, we, we, there are menopause specialists, there are sex therapists, there are sexual surrogates, there are empowerment coaches, there are intimacy coaches. Uh, we even did an interview with a DACA, like someone who will patiently teach and guide and reawaken quality sexual experiences for people who've had trauma or in whom it's dormant. Basically, what I'm saying is that this part of your life is as worthy of care as any other part of your life. And sexual support teams um, can be an ad, can be a bonus. All right. So let's see. Let me go through the things again. I love myself and I care for myself sexually, sensually, and reproductively through my whole life long. And because of this, I've taken the time to learn my intimate and reproductive anatomy, to know my cycles so that I could live my life in tune with them, to accept and love my body, and to appreciate and praise the amazing design of my sex, to know my own desires, not to put any poisons in my pussy or any part of my body that is sensitive, no toxic products in general if you can help it, to be mindful about my birth control and what I put in my body chemically, and to have the right care team for me so that my reproductive and sexual and sensual life are healthy, whole, and complete. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. It's a little bit of a shorty. Lots of resources in my show notes for you. No one but you can change the inner narrative and help you slow down and take care of your body, sensually, sexually, or in any other way other than you. And you are worthy of this kind of care. Does that sound like a little bit of a solemn episode? Are you saying, where is Christine's joy? I'm sure it will return. I have faith in the long arc of things. Anyway, Sexual Health Awareness Month 2021. There's a lot to be grateful for. We've made so many advances in the last hundred years, and I'm sure that all of this noise will be a wash a hundred years from now. Let's look toward the future and how we're creating it together every day. You can find me on Instagram at the.rose.woman. You can find my company, rosewoman.com, on Instagram as at Rosebud Woman. 
you know, we all in this together, creating the best possible world for every one of us. To your ultimate joy, peace, power, pleasure, and yes, freedom.